and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always become supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. This is episode 120. From what we were talking about earlier, I was thinking maybe 420, but it's not. It's no. 120. We got a few more. We got 300 more to go <laughs> to celebrate. Maybe Today, by that time it'll be legal. <laughs> perhaps everywhere. You have Could to be. start marking your podcasts at halves now <laughs> <laughs> to wait for Utah to, to make it legal. To catch up. Today is Wednesday, August 24th. Unfortunately, Matt is not able to join us this evening because he is studying for his EMT stuffs. Really intensive course that makes him very, very busy. There is a lot of stuff in it. But sitting to my left, in place of Matt this evening, we have Mr. Jeff Linville joining us once again this evening. Say hi, Jeff. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. And just as a side note here, um, I am wearing my hat that I purchased in Boston just for Matt. Oh. <laughs> the, name of, the name of my hat is actually called Braintree. Because I thought you were going to say it was Matt. It's it's called Matt. No, uh, it's called Braintree because every time we'd take the the, the public transit, we'd always get on the Braintree train. So okay. so Matt will know what that is. So your hat is named Braintree. Braintree. Huh. It's an actual stop on the line. Hmm. So that's that's just for Matt. I just don't imagine anywhere in Massachusetts being named Braintree. <laughs> I think it's way south. <laughs> oh, especially with the southies. Yeah. Well, that's where the people get their brains beat out by a tree or a baseball bat, as they call it. Uh, or we call them baseball bats; they call them trees. Either uh, that, or the whole metro map is is like a like a human body, and the brain tree is actually like in the penis area. <laughs> for guys, for sure, brain tree. Yes, I don't know. It's really just a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, whose penis are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're also we also have. Uh, the other regular co-host, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Yes. Firefighter extraordinaire, tatted man, and four-eyed wonder. Well, thank you. <laughs> and joining us in studio tonight for the interview is Mr. Michael Rupp. Say hello, Michael. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you on the show tonight. So, I met Michael just a couple weeks ago uh, through a mutual friend, uh, went to a party and uh, rode up rode to the party and back uh, with a mutual friend and just in talking to Michael uh, on, you know, before the party, before the ride, on the ride at the party and then on the ride home, found out that he's an atheist, uh, former Mormon, and he had all of these sad and horrific, terrible stories about the LDS church. And I'm like, hey, you should come and talk about these things. You should come and talk about all these painful, awful things that have happened to you because of the LDS church. Well, we're kind of like therapy here. 
Yes, it's very cathartic. I, I told Michael that, that, you know, it, it's nice to just get together once a week and just rant and rave about this kind of shit. And so Michael said, yeah, that'd be great. I will do that. So we set it up to have him come on the show after we had Matt on the show, Matt Dillahunty, yeah. last week. And oh, what a wonderful show that was. So we, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I'm still really happy that he was able to give us that much time on the show. Just very generous. Yeah. And then even after we stopped recording, I think we sat around and just bullshit with him for another 15. I said bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mix between a bull, a bull fart and a bullshit. Well, shat is technically the past tense of shit. I mean, is bullshit a word? Uh, it is now. We sat around bullshitting with him for about... <laughs> maybe on a different side of the globe, where shat is more a little, you know, more used a little bit more. Yeah, it was probably another half hour. International profanity yeah, at the end now. Of the show. Huh. Um, but so I, I had set up the, I had set up Michael to come on the show, and the following day, Michael had sent me a bunch of text messages with stories about something else that I had no idea about, and I thought, holy shit, that would be another great thing to talk about. But first, let's talk about you. Give us a little introduction of who Michael Rupp is. All right. So Michael Rupp is only recently Michael Rupp. I used to be Michael Jensen. That was my name before I got married to a man. <gasps> I know. All the pearls are gasped. All the um, pearls are grasped. Yes. And I uh, got married the day it was legal in Utah. Yay. Very cool. So, the first time or the second time? <laughs> the, the first time. <laughs> okay. The first time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Was that December 12th? December 20th. 20th. Very cool. I knew it was a two in there. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, did, who did, who performed your wedding? Uh, it was our, uh, a friend, well, actually a neighbor across the street. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I seem to recall our mutual friend who worked at the, who worked at the city county building or wherever it was done, you know, taking pictures. Of everybody, and I think she may have mentioned that she saw you and your husband there. Well, we were there, and we ended up in the uh, Tribune on the front page, so that was... Excellent. Yeah, yeah it was a big event in our lives. So. Very cool. That's the best wedding photographer I've ever heard of. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got ordained just so that I could help marry some of my gay friends. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was very very excited about that. Like I spent the whole day just posting shit on Facebook and reading stories and sending messages of congratulations to friends that were getting married. I was very very happy. So I wasn't actually expecting it. Uh we went there to support some friends and we were sitting there in line and uh behind us a couple said, "Oh, it sounds like the the governor is trying to put a stay on this." Um mm. and we me and my husband well Nick, uh, at the time, uh, partner, oh. uh, we, you know, just looked at each other and he goes, here, fill this out, hands me this, and then he runs to go get our IDs. So <laughs> he disappears, and I'm standing in the line going, uh, did I just get proposed to? How romantic. I know, right? You didn't even get down on one knee? No, not at that point. So, I mean, I was, I have this form for you to fill out. I was a little bit in shock about this, but, um... You know, I sat there in line and I, I went, well, first we have to have this conversation, but I I think I could do this, you know? So we end up, uh, I end up getting up to the front of the line and he's not back yet. Oh, no. And so um, I'm, I start letting people through and, and yeah. people as they pass you by, play they're through? like, <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, as people pass me in the line, they're like, 
Did you get stood up? Oh, no. <laughs> like, I certainly Cold hope feet not. On day one, yeah. <laughs> I have the paperwork, but not the but not the official ask. So I'm just kind of sitting here waiting. So uh, he does show up, and then we we go, we fill out the form, we hand it to the person, and she goes back, and she's filling out all the paperwork, finishing it up. I turn to him and I say, "So are we going to have this conversation yet?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, uh, and he actually does this. He pulls out rings oh wow very cool he was gonna ask me um but this day had just kind of thrown everything up in the air and so he asked me to marry him right there we we will get the certificate we walk out we get married i mean from proposal to marriage it was about 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) maybe he was so excited when he first heard that you know oh we have to do it now he completely forgot about the rings for the time being and like no we need ids for this yeah (laughs) No, he went home and and he he got the rings, but he was oh, okay. he was freaking okay. out. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, when it comes to Utah weddings, fifteen minutes is kind of a long wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you yeah, you got to be honest oh, for Utah. I mean, sure. Yeah, that's true. maybe above average. Yeah. That's true. So we'd been together for um, three years at oh, that cool. point. So I mean, it was really a no brainer when it when it, it was going to happen. Up. Yeah, it was. So. Yeah, it was happiest day of my life at that moment, and I mean, kind of a an awesome story to tell. Oh yeah, too. yeah, yeah, that's great. That's very cool. I like that story very much. It makes me it makes my feel goods even feel gooder. <laughs> even feel gooder. <laughs> gooder. It gives me tinglys. So you have you lived in Utah all of your life? Uh, no, my family moved from California when I was thirteen. Um, and what part of California? Uh, Southern California. Um, Mission Viejo and Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about this a little earlier. My my mother there was quite the big um, eagle former. Yeah, that's right. Um, and she she was in charge of the education um, for Eagle Forum in California. So, wow. I I don't I don't mean to be I don't want to be mean to your mother. Oh, that's <laughs> fine. Go ahead. <laughs> But is she a stupid uh, person? Because no. I, I don't see much education actually coming from the Eagle Forum. I mean, are they educating people just on their points of policy or, like, in general, this is what you should know as a person kind of education? Yeah, I was never really clear about that myself. Oh, okay. Okay, because yeah, if it was just like, in general, this is what you need to know as a person, I'm like, they're failing yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. If it's on points of policy, they probably... Like here, come on, let's radicalize you towards our yeah our way of life. Let's radicalize you. Yeah, no, we had Phyllis Schlafly uh, ate dinner at our house, and wow, I mean, we had oh, all wow. kinds of fun. Phyllis motherfucking Schlafly. That's right. <laughs> up up in the Jensen hizzy. <laughs> no, we um, I remember just as a as a young Mormon boy that uh, we would stand outside of the um the law buildings and. And we'd have these signs and we'd protest gay rights and we'd protest all these things. My mom, there are eight kids in our family and she would line all the kids up and we'd have our picket signs. And this is how you hate people. And this is how you hate people. And this is what I was taught. And we, I mean, she was very actively involved. And It's like the the, the bigot bunch. Like I'm thinking the Brady bunch here. <laughs> oh. uh, a little bit, yeah. It's a story yeah. of a lady from the Eagle Forum. <laughs> she is crazy and she's got eight kids to hold signs. <laughs> Okay, I'll end that. <laughs> I, was, I was looking forward to the rest of the song. Right. I, I can keep going, but we'll save that for a deep cut. 
So <laughs> Orange County, California, till the age of 13, moved here to Utah, and you moved to Happy Valley? Yeah, to Springville, Utah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a very small town at the time. Uh, still kind of is, but definitely small-minded. Mm-hmm. Well, they're so drugged up. Well, yeah, there's that, too. <laughs> what what order? Up. Yeah. So you've got seven siblings. What order in the line of siblings are you? So I have four older brothers and three younger sisters. I like to say that I'm the youngest of the boys and the oldest of the girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So four older brothers, three younger sisters, and are all of them still... In the fold? Um, I have my youngest sister. She was very supportive when I came out, um, and she was the only one who stood by me. The rest of them were very anti-gay and uh, very, very LDS. Um, since then, I've had a brother who has also come out, and mm-hmm. he's uh, actively involved in... He's moved back to California, and he's doing his share out there to try and help with uh, teen suicides. Oh. And, um yeah, pretty awesome. Awesome. So do, you, do the two of you now talk then? No, um, and I'm not sure why, but, you know, he uh, cut me out when I came out, and he just hasn't. I've reached out a couple times, but I'm just waiting for that to rekindle at some that point. Seems, that seems strange, right? It's a little odd. A now, little odd. In, the, in the birth order, which brother is he? So he's just older than me. Okay. So now he's the oldest of the girls. There you go. <laughs> 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 well, you're still youngest of the boys. That's so. right. <laughs> so, your your brother who is closest to you in age is, has come out. When, and when did he come out? Uh, just recently, in the last three years. Uh, he was married uh, to a woman and living the, the Mormon life. Yeah. And, um, still had the chip in his head that he needed to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when I've, I've only heard it through my youngest sister who talks to him and... So, but he apparently is happy, and mm-hmm. I'm very happy for him. So that's awesome. Well, that's good. So, 13 years old, you moved to Utah, moved to Springville, did you say? Yeah, to Springville. To Springville in Utah County, Utah, uh, which represent is the <laughs> the heart of Mormondom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Aside from the temple in Salt Lake City. Um and how does how does that go? How did the move from California to Utah change? Did that change anything as far as the the family's adherence to Mormon doctrine, going to church, your reverence, any of that? I mean, was it well? My, I mean, obviously, my my mother and father were very much on the extremist side to begin with. I mean, yeah, well, because being, you know that you, you always hear there are Utah Mormons and out of state Mormons, right? Right. Were they were they still Utah Mormons even though they didn't live in Utah kind of I, thing? I guess, but in some ways I think they were more radical than your Utah Mormons are. Oh, really? I like borderline FLDS kind of? Borderline, okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, there, a lot of those early Mormon doctrines still kind of holding true and, and the family dynamic and mm-hmm. um, even a lot of – when we moved to Utah, I was surprised how many of the Utah Mormons aren't even really as practicing – if that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like I was part of... Like an elite group? Yes. Um, and, I'm, and I was muted there? <laughs> an elite you were part group. of an elite group? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's just that, you know, my family, and, and there was a lot of Mormon arrogance going on, but, you know, that my family was, like, more righteous than everybody else, mm-hmm. which 
could actually be true. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to Utah. <clears throat> what uh, what what brought you guys to Utah? So uh, oh, yeah. it was my dad for work. Oh, okay. um, he had his own business and um, the economy was really hitting a low at that point. That was 1992 and um, he just wasn't able to make it happen there. But he started his business in Utah County and did very well for a while and then retired and everything's good. So, what kind of business yeah. is that? Uh, he was or in was that, he was in oh. aerospace back when ah. McDonnell Douglas and oh, okay. Boeing Aircraft were doing all their outsourcing. Um, but then they all started doing their stuff in in source, mm-hmm. and that's when he went a different direction. But yeah, we I was very familiar with um, all of the Boeing aircraft parts. I worked on them myself. So. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. So you move out here, and at what age did you did you realize that you were gay? You know, I didn't realize it for a long time. I, I didn't know what that meant. Um, even when I moved to Springville from California, um, I was going to church there, and the Mormons there they they had kind of picked a name for me. Um, I had. Uh, got the name California Queer. Oh, which, oh wow. Uh, yeah, it was great for the Mormons. That's the, very the nice. Yeah. They didn't like Californians. The Californians what? were moving in and yeah. taking they, they still over. Don't. And, yeah, yeah, and they, they really hated us. Um, I'm one of those two, by the way. Oh, yeah, mm. I understand. So, yeah, I mean, they just You're they a really California Queer? Us. Well, no. From <laughs> California to Utah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, even back uh, around 13, 14 Everybody else seemed to notice things about me that I didn't know. And everything you knew um, about it, you learned on a sign. Right. Yeah. And everything I knew about it, I learned from from a sign. My my parents were anti-education uh, in so many ways, which is funny because, you know, my mom was the education president for Eagle Forum. Yeah. I th- mm-hmm. think um, that's kind of a, a an oxymoron, isn't it? A little bit. Education yeah. president, president for Eagle, for Eagle Forum. Forum yeah. It's like right. a homeschool science class. Mm-hmm. So we were homeschooled. Uh, my parents took us out of school and all the way th- from second grade till I went back in junior high. Um, but I was homeschooled. And the majority of our homeschooling uh, was actually scripture reading. Yeah. Wow. Reading from the Book of Mormon because that was going to make us smart. Because you should, everything you would ever need to know was written 200 years ago. Yeah. Well, and I mean, my my mom got really clever. I do have to say she, she wasn't stupid in the sense that she figured out how to turn every subject you can study into a, a scripture. I and, know. You know, like. Today we're going to learn about side. compasses and how. Right. How <laughs> they had one 600 years before the very first incarnation of one. I mean, know. that kind of stuff. It was <laughs> It was quite clever, but. We'll learn about when horses came to the United States mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and how the, they use steel weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you know, really when the Book of Mormon mentions horses, they actually mean tapirs, as oh, if somebody God. could ride those. <laughs> yep. Um, really small buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you mentioned really an age when you realized you were gay. You said that a lot of people... So it wasn't till... Uh, so I... I did the whole Mormon thing. I went on a Mormon mission, and then I went to BYU, where all good Mormons go to school. And it wasn't till BYU that I was actually um, there. Uh, I met this guy, and we uh, 
got really close. And <laughs> next thing I knew, I, I was realizing that, you know, this attraction that I'd had to men all along was actually gay. And, and you know, in Mormonism, they teach you that same-sex attraction and gay are not the same yeah, thing. Yeah, correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I just was under the impression that I wasn't gay. I just had this um, hard trial that I had to work with mm-hmm. in my life. And so, all that gay porn and all that masturbation didn't mean I was gay. It just meant that I had You're the same being tested. Sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I was being tested. And so I didn't really make that cognitive connection until I was in college mm-hmm. at, at BYU. Now, you said that you served a mission. That w- w- Was that after you attended BYU or before? It was before. Um, so I, I did a couple years. I actually... You know, uh, homeschooling did have its benefits. I graduated from high school early and went mm-hmm. to uh, UVU and did a couple of years there. Went to, on my mission for two years and came back and went to BYU. Did Did you have a uh, a chosen path for your collegiate career? Did you have anything specific you were trying to achieve? No. Um, and that's because I was waiting for God to tell me what uh, I was supposed to do. That's the BYU, um, huh? So <laughs> in, in the meantime, I just did what I thought would, you know, help me, uh, in life. And so I got my degree in musical theater. Very cool. Because, you know, I was a musical theater queen. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know I was gay. <laughs> Going back to the doctor the hypothetical doctor and the, and the astronomer. If you knew that one of the candidates that you're contemplating voting for believed that in the 19th century, a man called Joseph Smith dug up some golden tablets, <laughs> which, he, which he translated and then conveniently lost, <laughs> and translated moreover, although a 19th century man translated them into 17th century English <laughs> and lots and lots of other... And more, more importantly, unlike some of the... I mean, we also agree that the biblical stories are equally ridiculous, but the difference is we don't know they were written by known con men, but in fact he was yeah. a yeah. known felon. Yes. What were you hoping to do with the musical theater degree, or was it just a passion for musical theater that that drove you there until you received God's call for something else. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. Actually, it it kind of started when I auditioned for the musical, the church musical, um, Savior of the World, and was cast in the first the first running of it. Oh, okay. Um, so I was in that first year that they did it. Um, Savior of the World, I'm guessing that's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, it's the life of Jesus. The first act is the birth, and the second act is his death, which, I mean, everything else in between. Well, they only chose right? two acts? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, great musical. Uh, and actually, the the guy who wrote the music, a good friend of mine, he is actually gay, too. And <laughs> oh, wow. who knew that most of the people who joined Savior of the World, including my gay brother, um, <laughs> There were just so many gay people in <laughs> in musical theater. In I musical can't theater, that. yeah. I'm, trying church, not, I'm really right? trying not to stereotype right now, but I'm you know from the outside looking in, it's like there's a path. Yes, there's a path. Uh, yep, yep. So a wonderful, bright, very loud, shiny, and colorful in path. Tune, <laughs> in tune, yes. Path. Very dynamic. <laughs> I guess I did theater, just not musical. I was in the stage crew. I did uh, Shakespeare. I, I was I was kind of a drama nerd, but 
I have never liked musicals. Oh, I can't sing. Apart from pop, I can sing. I can actually sing pretty well. Um, but apart from Popeye, I've never. Should we really have liked- dancing? Just real quick. No. Oh, we shouldn't <laughs> sing something sing from Popeye. <laughs> no, that's I'll all sing right. along. I'll you sing guys along are putting with me you. on the spot now. I'll sing no, along with you. Able to do anything. <laughs> no, I I actually can sing fairly well. As long as it's in my range. I can't hit the high notes anymore like I used to. Like, I used to be able to do a good falsetto high note, and I can't do that anymore. I'm pretty good at hitting high notes. I just don't know what note it is. (laughs) Who knows? Could be sharp, could be flat, could be something made up. Mm. Sound like one of those throat singers, you know. I can't do it all. Like, I just, I start squeaking. Like, this just... Well, me too, but I have a degree to go with it. So. See, there you go. So you're, you're, you're certified. <laughs> That's right. So where did you serve your mission? So I went to Philadelphia. Uh, oh, the exotic land of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yes, the city of brotherly love. Did you did you learn a foreign language before you left? I did not. Oh, okay. um, did you get beat up on the basketball court? W- at what point? I've, he's going he, with the French, he's going, yeah, he's he's, the French <laughs> Prince reference. He's going to start going line by line. Oh, right. Got it. Okay, yes. Um, no, I did not. Uh, I didn't I, play basketball. I thought we were turkey, talking church ball. Oh, no. I, I was like, no, I'm going to go in the other room and play the piano. Philadelphia <laughs> comes out. I got to throw in a French Prince of Bel-Air. Now, now right. before, we get, before we get too far, cheese whiz or no cheese whiz? I think it depends. I'm, I'm having a hard time with that one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How much I mean, have you drank? Uh, not much. No, no, no. I mean, to when you're making this decision. Oh, me? No, yeah, when you're making the right. decision, cheese right. whiz or no cheese whiz, how oh. much have you well, drank? Well, you're talking the Philly cheesesteaks. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, okay. I didn't get that. I didn't think, Ryan. Yeah, you oh, didn't sorry. get that. I was like, do I want to just eat cheese or do I want to squeeze it in my mouth? I don't know. So, yeah, that was almost 20 years ago. So, you know, give me a break. Well, that um, then the cheese whiz you sure you deserve is probably it. still around. I didn't around. like the cheese whiz, no. Yeah. I didn't yeah. didn't do it. I went full Nell Carter and nobody recognized it. I didn't hear a Nell Carter <laughs> reference. <laughs> he said, give me a break. And I said, you sure deserve it. Oh, well, I'll give you a 227 of them. <laughs> Two seven. Wasn't oh, that? well played, sir. <laughs> so, Nicely I'm going to share a story from my mission that I okay. think is quite funny and I, I may have had enough to drink that I can share the story. <laughs> um, no one's listening. Don't worry. Oh, good. So, um, yeah. So when you go on a mission, you can't masturbate, right? So Suppo- is, Well, you're not supposed well, to. Well, y- you can't technically. Um, so I did a really good job before my mission. I totally stopped. Huh. Like was For how long before your mission? Six months. <sighs> yes, Damn. six months. It was the hardest six months of Were my Were you having life. nocturnal emissions? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. So um, going from there, uh, then we go into the, the MTC, the, the Missionary Training Center, with all of those young, attractive... New bio men. Yes, uh-huh. And so, um, you know, uh, here I am, MTC, for another six weeks, uh, and and I'm I'm golden. I'm not doing it, but I did, you know, find myself like crying in the restroom, like wishing I could. <laughs> and MTC is the Missionary Training Center. The, the, yeah, okay. the Missionary Training Center. And then um, it wasn't until I got out on my on the mission. Did you really cry that you couldn't masturbate? I cried because I it was yes. Wow. I mean, it was very difficult. I used to cry after. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I still cry happen. after. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm being serious. You know, you'd go through you go through those bishops' interviews every once in a while, and then you know, oh, just like, from the uh, guilt. A couple weeks later, you're like, 
Oh. I feel so terrible. I feel so dirty, and I mean, now I have to do laundry. Well, that's also, you I know. made baby Jesus cry. I made it two weeks into basic training. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to the bathroom and jerking <laughs> off. No, I mean, I was mostly crying because I, I knew it was a useless cause. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hanging in there as much as I could, but I, I knew it was going to happen. And then my first day in the uh, mission, in on the mission uh, in Philadelphia, I meet my companion, um, who is an underwear model. Oh yeah! Oh no. my no. Dear God! He pulls out these pictures of him in his underwear from when he was in his modeling days, and he brought them with him. I don't know why. He also was a little As bit, do. yeah, a little bit of an exhibitionist who who liked to you know walk around with his shirt Strut off, around, around in his oh undies. My God. I mean, it was like you I, poor I sat, fucking guy, know, and I sat on, I sat in the restroom, door closed, and. I just, I, I literally, this was probably my first atheistic moment in my life because I looked at God and I said, fuck you. <laughs> You're doing this on purpose. This is quite the test, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it was this whole test. Won't give oh. me too much that I can't bear bullshit. But oh. yeah, then, you know, that ended that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An underwear model companion for a closeted gay man. Right. Well, not only an underwear uh, model, a guy who likes to show off that he's an underwear model and in good an shape. An exhibitionist. Underwear model. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what, what was his first name? Brent. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. he was straight, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't, it doesn't didn't, matter. <laughs> didn't matter to you sitting in the restroom. No, no I, I do have a question. Um, I, I don't know. When did you leave on your mission? So it would have been 98. 90, okay. Did you have to put that on your mission paperwork that you were same-sex attracted? Oh, no, that wasn't even an option. Okay, I just then. know it is now. I didn't. I didn't know when and that, that change was had pre- made. Me, um, really being willing to admit oh, okay, that I okay. was same-sex attraction. I hadn't even told my that was still up on the point. shelf at the time. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't tell my bishop about that till way later. Mm. <laughs> I didn't realize that was something that they had you fill out on that thing. I knew the masturbation thing was part of it, well, but there's a, there's a section that, and like I said, I I don't know when that changed. That you can put what are things that you need to you know quote unquote work on oh, yeah. or or issues that you have. What are your struggles? Mm-hmm, like depression or substance abuse down. or you know I like sitting in bathrooms after watching naked. Um, underwear models prance in front of me, you know that kind of stuff. You, you have to, you have to put that kind of stuff. Well, you don't have to. I mean, you can lie about it, but well, but I didn't know if doesn't. that was something that, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> at that point, I probably would, but no. Um, yeah. Anyway, I would just, I just wanted to see if that was something that you had to, 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 to put. I mean, way out. ideally, if if I had understood what it enough meant. about what it meant, I would have done that, but I. I was under the impression, and and I had talked to my bishop a little bit about my struggles, not in any detail, but he, he was he was absolutely certain that if I went on a mission, it would be taken care of, mm-hmm. so it would yeah. it would go mm-hmm. away. I wouldn't be gay anymore. Um, he also told me that I should work out at the gym more. Oh, yeah, that was his with your his underwear model. <laughs> yeah, that was his inspiration. Uh, yeah. th- th- he told me that if I would work out at the gym, that I wouldn't be gay. So working really out, getting sweaty around other 
half naked sweaty guys how fixes to, that how, well yeah i was right. gonna say how does that work is it just <laughs> is it that he figured you would feel more masculine if you're uh working out and-, that, and that was the idea um that backfired on him though when his son um came out and started posing for nude magazines uh, <laughs> for gay magazines which was just awesome. kind of the icing on the cake <laughs> that's amazing you know it's like his version of con- uh, of conversion therapy is go to the gym get all sweaty with other guys it, chances are they're good looking and very physically fit guys then we're going to send you with an underwear model where you have to spend 24 hours a day with each other um, he's an exhibitionist. You need to sleep together. You need to be together. You need to essentially live as a married couple, and this will make the gay go away. Right. Awesome. <laughs> Good plan. Awesome. <laughs> A for effort. Yeah. <laughs> A for asshole. So, did you serve your full mission then? I did. I made it all the way. With I don't know how. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. When I make up my mind about things, I will do what I have to do to get it done, but... <laughs> But how, and we made light of it, but how traumatizing is it for a young man who's told that he can't do something that is a biological imperative? I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with masturbating. There's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with being attracted to members of the same sex, but the church instills such guilt and fear around all of those things that, you know, we, we laughed about crying in the restroom because you couldn't masturbate but i mean that's honestly a traumatic yeah. thing for mm-hmm. for someone of that age for someone at any age really but to know that the the guilt and shame that the church had taught you for so long leads you to crying in a restroom because you can't do something that is entirely natural right that's that's heartbreaking so as soon as that was released was it was it uh Pardon the usage of the word, but <laughs> like, where are you going with this? I know. Um, did you did you go through another cycle of okay, now I can't do that for a lot longer, and now I can't have these feelings any longer? Or did you try harder to to suppress that more, or was it like, okay, it's really not that bad, I'm okay now? I think I yeah, I, I came to a place where I was causing myself more damage by not, uh, and so I I just knew that I'd be a better missionary as, and you know in your mind like you want to be a good missionary yeah. because that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And so my thought was, well, you know I'm I won't be a perfect missionary, but I'll be the best I can be. So you have less stress, right? <laughs> and so I I just kind of came to terms with this is what I'm going to do. Is what I have to do to maintain my sanity yeah. and be the best mission, the best mission guy that I can be. Right. Hmm. At 19 years old. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you're in Philadelphia. Figure out that you can masturbate and still be, still be a good person representing your church out on your mission. Uh, did you get any converts while you were out? I did. In fact, I, and I'm bragging and I shouldn't because it's quite (laughs) embarrassing when I, you know, in hindsight, but I was one of the highest baptizing missionaries. Wow. Um, Yeah. I, I converted 15 people and in that mission, you're lucky if you get two. And what do you kind of attribute that to? Uh, I think, you know, to be honest, I think I just was, I, I kind of had come to some conclusions about reality and about, where I was at. And I think I just started talking real to people. Um, you were more grounded. And- I also didn't 
believe, and this, I don't know where this came from because this is not a Mormon thing, but I didn't believe it was my place to convert people. I believed it was my place to show people who I was, but um, to try and change their minds, it, it just sounded wrong. A lead by example instead of a... Yeah, and so I spent a lot of time with them. We'd, you know, I'd go do yard work or help them out and just spent a lot of time with the, the people I was working with and uh, ended up getting a lot of conversions that way and had a lot of missionaries who really hated me. For it. <laughs> well, you should have told them the secret's masturbating. There right. you go. <laughs> right. I'm sure they knew that secret already. I'm sure they I did. I got the secret sauce right here. <laughs> I, I had actually heard a story from one of the guys that I used to work with that said that he went on his mission and one of the other guys that was in the same missionary as they were had to hold his his mission buddy's hand while he took a shower. Oh, I've heard that before. He was a chronic masturbator, and to make sure he wasn't masturbating, he had to actually physically hold his hand while he was in the shower. But that was he was told he had to do that. He had to watch his roommate at all times in the shower, everything. You know, even yeah, that when you only make things worse. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hold yeah. my hand. Don't. <laughs> I was going to say, can you imagine holding your underwear model companion's Good hand job. while he was in the shower? <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> and there's there's got to be like a man code in there somewhere where you're like, okay, listen, I know I'm supposed to stop and 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 watch you and make sure you're staying pure, but you know what? I've got to go use the phone, so I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> I'd, I'd be I'd be telling the guy while I'm in the shower, I'm like, you know, it only takes one hand. Yeah. Well, but the church also teaches you the, the church also teaches you that you need to watch out for those things. You and your brother's keeper. They've they've got that whole video about don't leave your wounded. Oh yeah, that, your that, wounded oh, yeah. church. Warrior, yeah, the, your your wounded uh, church fellow, your your fellow church member on the battlefield who may be struggling with pornography or masturbation. That you need to report that to somebody so that they can get them the help they need. Icky. They've never heard of a combat jack. (laughs) (laughs) So when I came out to my family, I actually wrote a letter, which I titled The um, Wounded Warrior. Uh, But this was before that had come out, which was really funny because it was all about how my family had tried to make me feel like I was this broken, wounded person. Um, But yeah, the, the letter was actually just me saying I'm not broken. But, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, interesting title. <laughs> yeah, they stole it. So, what, at what age did you come out to your family? So, I came out at, it was two days before my 30th birthday. Mm. So, I hung in there as long as I wow. possibly could. Um, but I realized, uh, you know, I was turning 30 and um, I didn't want to wait another 30 years of going through the same hell that I'd been through. Uh, there was, it wasn't worth it. I would either leave the church or I would kill myself. So if, if the person you're contemplating voting for believes all that, believes that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri, <laughs> believes that Native Americans are the lost ten tribes of Israel, believes that Jesus visited North America, I mean, these beliefs are barking mad. I'm guessing you knew on, while you were on your mission that you were gay, right? You would come to the realization that you were gay. I, or were you still... I was still under the impression that same-sex attraction does not equal gay. Gay means you're having, like, butt sex. Mm-hmm. That was how I viewed it. And I viewed it as this disgusting, horrible, you know, like, that's gay. Gay are horrible people who go out and commit all kinds of murders and crimes. And and so that, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So there's no way I could be gay. Mm-hmm. So I just 
couldn't put those two pieces mm-hmm, together mm-hmm. until I started talking to gay people and finding out that this is not, not at all yeah. how my parents had <laughs> portrayed it for me. So when did, when and how did you start talking to gay people as a faithful young Mormon man? I was at BYU. I wasn't that faithful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at BYU and I was um, I started on a internet site called Connection and it was just kind of a Facebook for gay men. Mm-hmm doesn't exist anymore but at the time it was a great way for me to reach out and just start talking a lot of BYU boys were on that site yeah mm-hmm. um and that's when i had my first encounter was with um a BYU boy in the dance program imagine that <laughs> and um yeah i we we had this dance class together and he would dance in front of me like we i'd be standing in the row behind him and i would just watch him dance it was you know <laughs> the, the most, most beautiful thing i've ever seen <laughs> right and how we became really close friends and then we became really close friends uh, <laughs> so so in searching in searching for other people to talk to were you trying to find out more about yourself or were you trying to figure out how to get out of it? I think I had like subconsciously realized that I might be gay, but I wasn't ready to uh, make that distinction until I'd done a little research. And so, yeah, I, I spent a little more time meeting and talking with them to see if, if that was me. And you never you never came to a point where you thought, I need to change this and, 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 and be done after you came home from your mission. I mean, you never thought... You know, like researching conversion therapies or researching, you know, on my knees a little bit more and praying and reading more scriptures to help me. I had read everything the church had ever published. Okay. I mean, as far as that's concerned, like I had done the research and there was no fixing it. I had prayed and I had prayed and I had prayed and I had stopped masturbating for six months. I mean, (laughs) I had done everything that I possibly could. And so, for me, the answers didn't lie in continuing. The, I mean, it, it's that that yeah. cycle. Of, yeah. Your emotional self harm was no longer needed. Yeah, yeah. So I started seeing a therapist at BYU, um, and which I came out to her just straight out, like I think I might be gay. I'm not sure what this means though, um, but I I want to make this work and I want to stay in the church. And so I ended up getting engaged to a woman. Um, because that's what you do mm-hmm. if you're going to fix it. And um, and so I went and saw, saw my therapist, and I told her I got engaged. And you should have seen her face. I mean, it was like... She's like, I win. No, it oh. was the opposite. It, it, she was like, it was just dread. It was this look of dread of what are you doing? She's like, don't garment the gay away. Well, I was, <clears throat> I was going to ask you about that. How did the therapist at BYU handle you coming out? As gay to her. I mean, did she, you know, you hear horror stories of these mental health professionals who do not act as an advocate for their patient. They act as an advocate for the church. Right. They tell them to go through conversion therapy or these other harmful things to try to, you know, to fix them being gay. How did, how did she handle that? So I'd actually been to half a dozen uh, therapists at BYU. Um, and every time they would suggest something like um, reparative therapy or anything like that, I just I didn't I didn't think that was the answer. Mm-hmm. So I would go to a different therapist, and it mm-hmm. would always come down to, you know, come join this um, 
men's group evergreen and yep. and it's like all i need to do is hang out with a bunch of dudes sexually suppressed <laughs> bunch of gay, gay men yeah. i'm like that's gonna end in a disaster <laughs> yeah. so i told them no and then it was you know so i'd moved around to several um but i was in such a depression i mean i was at this point where it's uh, i just couldn't imagine existing i wanted to literally cease to exist and you know i was just at that place and, the, and then you know my my only outlet was I'm going to get married. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make it happen. And so when I I'd, I'd met with this therapist and I, I told her she, I mean, she just said something to me that stuck with me forever. She goes, have you ever considered what your life would look like if you lived an alternative lifestyle? And I was so pissed at her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you say that? You're a BYU therapist. That's not like, what you're supposed to that's tell me. Not, yeah, I was so mad at her for saying that. But um, she, but she she knew she knew, and and she said, Michael, not everyone needs to be a Mormon, which also wow. blew my mind. Mind blown, yeah, right. Well, and you and and given as prevalent as you as you say that it is at BYU, it's this is probably nothing new for her, and so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to say all I'm saying is, um, when it comes to a point where so many people are having the same exact issues, I mean, hopefully. I mean, it seems as though her integrity well, was there with the profession, not necessarily with the institution. I, and I think so. And I think she knew I was depressed. I think she knew where that was going. Maybe she because... no longer believed either, but wanted to keep her job. And that's possible, too. <laughs> and what was her I... first name? Um, <laughs> I'm not doing a Matt thing over no, here. No, no, no. I'm I, sitting I, in his chair. remember for a moment. Her name was Maureen Rice. She's wonderful. Um, Ten points for you, Yeah, Ms. Rice. Yeah, right. So, shout out to you. Um I've actually thought of uh, looking her up and thanking her. I probably will. Um, Send her a link to this podcast. Right. Here you go. (laughs) Now Um, we're going to get her fired. Way to go, guys. (laughs) No, but, you know, it it was that initial moment when when she made me stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I thought, what would my life look like if I chose to live the way I want to? And it was with a man. And it was like the most beautiful thing I'd ever thought. There's an exercise and, in like, reality there, huh? Yeah. And wow. so, yeah, that was that was where that happened. And then I had to go through the whole process of telling my family and telling my fiance, which did not go over very well. Ooh. Um, <laughs> well, how long had you known her for? Uh, you know, I'd known her for a few years, actually. Okay. She was in theater as a costume designer. Um, so I'd had lots of experiences with her. The fact that she didn't know I was gay is a little bit strange. Maybe she well, had some things on the show, other... too. Uh, yeah, I think we all had some issues. Um, so anyway, she, she really had no idea when I explained it to her. She, she was sure that she could change me. And mm. yeah, there was that whole. Do you think she really had no idea or just all along she thought that she like she had fix. this, this tiny little niggling thought in the back of her mind and thought that she could change you? Well, she was older than me. She was 32 at the time. And you know, in, in Utah County and she's an old maid. She's an yeah. old, old maid. tubes are dry. Right. And, and I really felt bad for her, but I think, um, I think she was so concerned that if this doesn't work, she's, she's doomed. Never, yeah. Yeah. She's doomed. Like there's, there's no chance for her to go to heaven or well, to yeah, 32 at BYU. And, I mean, her only purpose there is looking for a husband yeah. at that point. And, and <laughs> as far as Mormon culture goes, not, she not was, for women in general, but 
the way the LDS church yeah, treats its women, that's, that's like the most important thing for a woman to do is to find insecure husband. Right. And I think I took advantage of her. I do feel that, um, you know, I took advantage of the fact that she probably wouldn't get married and, and here was my, my in, you know, I'm going to be saved. But I realized that the only reason I was marrying her was so that I could go to the celestial kingdom and yeah. what an, asshole was i to do that you know to, well i mean to go to heaven she was doing the same thing right but uh did that ever come up in conversation that uh, i mean i'm guessing you loved each other i loved her and, of course, and i but, still think the world of her i mean she's an incredible person but i i mean the truth is i i was doing it for all the wrong reasons yeah. and you know and she probably was too i mean in hindsight i don't think she was the innocent party in this. Um, yeah. But no, I, I feel bad for her. She just didn't want to believe it. And then I had to, I mean, we had a moment where she literally collapsed on the floor and I had to be like, this isn't working. And I had to like step over her and walk out oh, of the house. Wow. wow. Oh, it was very dramatic, <laughs> but we were both drama. Queens, yeah. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> She she probably had practice at that, you know, at some point. Did she do the whole back of the hand to the oh, forehead? I mean, and it was, yes, it was quite It dramatic. was a slow fall to the floor. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, wow. wow so you, you, wrote the, you wrote the note to your parents, and was this an email or did you send it snail mail? So I, first, I, I wrote a, a letter. I gave it to my dad first because I knew he would be the one who – would have the most judgment. He would be the hardest one. Oh. Um, so I gave it to him um, and got very little feedback from him other than he was incredibly sad and wanted to know what he could do to fix it, um, which obviously nothing. I yeah, asked him to... fixing. Right. <laughs> and I asked him to share it with my mom, which he said he would. Um, and then I got the call from the bishop. So oh, I went no. over to the bishop and I met with the bishop and I I'd, I'd spoken so to So like enough. your dad called the bishop? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the bishop um Motherfucker, once, if I wanted the bishop to know, I would contact the bishop yeah, myself. Right. So so we have that moment where we sit and, and and the bishop is saying, "Okay, so is there anything you want to tell me?" And I go, "Well, I'm gay." I mean, the bishop was just like and I'm going to cast okay. a spell on your family. And, <laughs> and But there was this moment where he just hits a sudden clarity and he's like, that's okay. That's okay if you're gay. It's okay to be gay. Just don't act on None it. None of the butt <laughs> stuff. None of the butt <laughs> right? stuff. That's... But I mean, it was, it, it was him trying to reaffirm to himself that it was okay that I was gay as long as I didn't. Wait, I know they've taught yeah. me something to deal with right, this. Right, right. Uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, it is okay. It's okay. It, okay to be gay. Don't act on it. And, Marry a right. woman. Right. That's that's the church's teaching. And, and so, I, you know, I was very straightforward with him. I said, so it's not okay. Like, you can't say it's okay and then yeah. say, just don't be gay. Yeah. I'm like, you got to make up your mind. It's okay goes, to be gay. Just don't be gay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I'm like, so either it is or it isn't. And in the end, he goes, well, I mean, preferably not. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not okay with that. So I think we're done here. And I'm not okay with living a lie for the rest of my life. Right. And I said, I said, I can't handle the double standard and. I, I don't think I can do this anymore, so I'm done. And he goes, well, I'd like you to meet with the stake president. And I said, why would I meet with him? Is he going to tell me anything different? And that was my last time ever 
talking to a bishop mm-hmm. or going to church or anything like that. I you just... know, hearing you tell the story, and especially from the family you came in the, uh, the upbringing, I mean, th- th- I've been in situations uh, similar as far as emotionally, and I could never bring up enough courage to do this. For the fact that you went through all of this, and then you finally came to the point where, no, kiss my ass, I'm going to be myself. That took a lot out of you. It was life or death. Mm-hmm. Like I had come to a place where I either live the life that I want to live or... Or none at all. Or none at all. Wow. And so there well, yeah, was I mean, nothing you... anybody could say that was going to make me go back to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you're not living the life you want to live, what is the point yeah. of living, right? If you're... And that's... I think that's why Utah has such high suicide rates, especially among the the LGBTQ members who are who are trying to be faithful members of the LDS church it's heartbreaking because they're told that they can't be who they are that that it's okay to be who they are but don't be who you are i mean they're yeah. they're constantly fed this this line of sure you can be gay and we'll love you even if even if you're gay mm-hmm. i mean right there hinting that there's a big problem with it anyway but just don't just you don't, know don't be in a relationship with another man don't don't do gay things right <laughs> so, you can be gay just be straight yeah and, yeah. and that's and the live message. your life alone and that's the message they tell you because you'll be straight in the next life if, uh-huh. if you don't get it it figured out in this You'll be one. fixed. It's a, You're fine now, and we love you for who you are, but you're still fucking broken. Right. And you'll be fixed later. God has just given you this particular test. For your it's, entire But it's life. okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we love you. We do. We love you, but don't be gay. So on, God, just uh, You can be gay, just don't do gay things. <laughs> so in my, my spare time, I do some writing, and one of the things I've written was just, just for my own healing was BYU the musical, um, in which I wrote a song <laughs> called It's Okay If You're Gay. <laughs> nice. And it, it was based solely on what this bishop had told me. It's yeah. okay if you're gay. Give a cheer if you're queer. Give a shout if you're out. Um, That's but amazing. Just don't be gay. I can hear it right now. I can hear it. Yeah. We need to get a hold of Trey Parker and Matt Stone for a follow-up here. Uh, right. Huh? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Pitch it to Slack, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've I've got some ideas. We'll, we'll see where they go. But <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So when did you write this? Has this... Recent so this or? actually started while I was at BYU. I was oh, wow. sitting around watching all these crazy people, you know, the needing to get married. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, there's a, there's a musical here, like song and dance and people dancing on the tables. <laughs> and, yeah, no, I, so yeah, that was where I first started, um, writing and I've kind of picked up a career since then. So very cool. Yeah. So your dad sends the bishop your way. So, yeah. How so does, I how... go home from that meeting with the bishop. Uh-huh. Um, I go home and my mom is waiting for me. I'm like, okay. So were you so, still living at home at the time? Uh, yes. I okay. had, so I had moved out for a little while and then I'd moved back in. I was in BYU housing, but I had just moved back in to save some money and, um, was just getting like finishing up school and everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I was still in school at this moment when I'm coming out and that was going to make things awkward. That's a lot but, yeah, of yeah, stuff coming yeah. your way. But yeah, and, and I knew it was going to happen. But, um, so anyway, I, I, she said, so how was, how was meeting with the bishop? Oh my gosh. Passive aggressive. Right. And I said, well, it was wonderful. <laughs> and she goes, why is that? And I said, because the bishop told me it was okay to be, be gay. Good. <laughs> There's this long dead pause. And then she goes, you're gay. 
your dad hadn't spoken to your mother about it? She he tore up the letter and threw it away oh, because he no. didn't want her to know. What did she think you were meeting with the bishop for? I had no idea. I mean, apparently she just thought you, we were you having won a an meeting award? with the bishop. Yeah, just just a little just, powwow. Yeah, wow. and so oh. I mean, she was just you're gay. I mean, I just watched her world oh, shatter man. in front of her. When did this happen? <laughs> you know, well, like what, uh, okay. what year was I born? It was last yeah. week on Thursday at about six thirty-five or so. <laughs> I mean, it was just oh, and and you know how she feels about gay people and, mm-hmm. and her, yeah, being a member of the Eagle Forum. Eagle well, the Forum, the yes. president of che- teaching or whatever for Eagle uh, Forum, yeah, education president. And and so I mean, you just watched everything she's ever fought for, everything she's done to keep her children from this this horrible thing yeah. homosexuality which i mean we were raised with just that this was the most horrible thing you could yeah. ever do yeah. and so you know for this to happen it, it was just i just watched her world shatter in front of her in front of me and you know i i was okay with it but she was not I mean, things came out of her mouth that were like, you know, you'd be better off dead. And wow, um, yeah, I mean, just just a lot of animosity and hate that that started to surface. And I I had to stop her at one point because it it was becoming too like, much, and I had to say, you don't mean any of that. It's just you're you're pissed off I'm right like, now. I yeah. realize you, you know. Yeah, but how, how could you even mean that? This is all coming as a shock to you. Calm yeah. down. You know, right. Think about it. Like, I thought you knew. <laughs> Come on, Greta so Gulch, before, calm before down. you started talking about the horrible things she said, I, I, I had this, I had this chain of thought where initially I thought, Oh my God, I wish I could have been there to just see the look on her face so that I could just delight in it uh. and, and feel the waves of Schadenfreude wash over <laughs> me. And then I thought, Oh no, this poor woman, her whole world has come crashing down. It's- and, you know, this, this poor unfortunate person who's worked her whole life and has tried to protect her children. And now she's come to the realization that, you know, she's failed in protecting her children. And here her youngest son has come to her and telling her that he's gay. And, you know, how, how bad I would feel for somebody in that situation. And then you talked about how shitty she was about it. And then I thought, no, I want those waves of Schadenfreude <laughs> washing over me once again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, she had to go through her own process, and she's still going through it. Um, we are not in contact with each other. How long ago was it? How old are you now? So I am now 37. Okay. So it's been seven years. Yeah. Um, more than enough time for more somebody than enough to time. And that was one of reconcile the things, these is, things is I told her, I said, you know, I, I, I will give you time, but you need to educate yourself because I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait around forever. Mm-hmm. And she refuses to educate herself. Because education presidents don't educate Need themselves. Education. <laughs> um, they make the curriculum. They yeah. don't read it. <laughs> well, all she did is jump further into what are the brethren saying? What What is the uh, church saying about gay people? And it's all this double talk. So you They don't see, even know what the hell they're saying. I don't yeah, know they how don't they, have a no. clue. And so, you know, you see her just trying to put the pieces together. But it's it's we love you, but we can't have you around us. Uh, and it's okay, great. So How the f- how does that work? That that right there shows you how twisted the church's teachings are on this kind of thing. We love you, but we can't have you around us. If you love me, why? What's the problem? Right. Right. What it's, is what? Why can't I be around you if you love me? Why not? It's it's like being exiled from an Amish community. It's like, yeah, we love you, but 
don't come around anymore. Right. We love you. And that's why we're exiling yeah. you. And, and in somewhere in that twisted thought process that they have, that's, that's what they've, the conclusion they've come to that, uh, their family is going to be better off if I'm not around. Uh, which so you know oh, please go i was gonna say like, like to, to what poison them or yeah i was gonna or yeah, have it rub off on someone thing. else i mean or? definitely i have i have 36 nieces and nephews are they afraid know, that they'll catch the gay they are they're very afraid because they don't believe that gay is biological they believe it's a sin it's a, it's you a choose choice, that you know. and i obviously must have chosen somewhere to, oh my you, you know well, now well, that you're an atheist too, and you got the I devil inside say, you. Oh, we you're, haven't had that conversation. Oh no, no. My my favorite. My Let's favorite start this response, recording over again. <laughs> my favorite response to people who say that it's not that it you know you're not born that way. It's a choice. Is okay. Well, when did you, Dad or whomever, decide to set aside your feelings of same sex attraction and decide to? date exclusively people of the opposite sex when did you decide to be a heterosexual so we did have that conversation oh yeah and it was you know didn't go anywhere because you know he had the earplugs in and didn't want to listen to anything i said there was a moment in our conversation where he literally uh stood up and started yelling that I wasn't speaking. The devil was speaking. Oh, so, wow. I mean, it was, it was that, just that this moment of, of realization that they don't really want to make this work. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where I started realizing how toxic the relationship has always been. You know, and, and it's unfortunate because, I mean, with, from the outside looking in, you went through a pretty shitty, emotional, self-destructive, um, self-perpetuating my fault i mean the my entire world is terrible because of me and and you've grown exponentially fairly quickly i mean obviously there's wounds that are still very very large and very open and may never heal but to see that progression especially from that uh fundamentalist of a family and where you are at least in these stories is amazing that they wouldn't want to be a part of that i mean that the homosexual uh, label put on top of your life journey just destroys. I mean, because that that one thing uh, trumps all yeah. else because of all the, all the crap you've gone through in your life and, and everything that you've had to endure and everything that you've had to, to, to learn for yourself and about yourself could really help your family out in ways that they couldn't even realize. And with that one little thing, you know, in the back of that little, programmed chip in the back of their head that says, oh, the H word is attached to this. This is a terrible person. Because, I mean, that's a journey that you only read about. And they experience someone, not only have they put you through it, uh, you're willing to talk about it with them and, and they're not willing to hear. That's just, it's 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 heartbreaking. I, I Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you you lose everything. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't just lose my family when I came out. I lost all my friends. I mean, when I put it out on social media, I, I expected I would lose a lot of friends. But so when you were out, you were out. Oh well, yeah, because when I decided I was doing this, I, I, it, again, it's well, we've learned me, you don't it, do anything half assed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, if, if I'm going to do yeah. it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And you know, if, for me, it's it's adapt or die. Mm -hmm. And and, it, and I had to adapt to a whole new life. And for me, it was I'm adapting, and you're either going to adapt with me or. I can't go back to that. Yeah. Now, what can you pinpoint a moment in all of this where you went, ah, 
finally, now I can move on. Um, I mean, like, like when you finally said to yourself, I'm gay and I've told certain amount of people, this is now me. Yeah, it, it didn't happen for a while because okay. I was, I had so much stress of, and dealing with all, uh, okay, so I'm going to do a little backstory. So yeah. from the earliest age, um, and a lot of people understand this in religion, but from the youngest age, I was taught that, oh, we love you. We're your family. We're going to be with you forever. Um, just don't mess up. Families are forever unless yeah. you're gay. And unless you're gay. Um, you know, and then they taught me about this guy named God and, you know, Elohim or whatever his yeah. name is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they taught me that he loves you, too, which, you know, I had no idea who this guy is. Um, he's just like your dad, you know. Um, he watched but, the underwear model missionary, too. Uh, I mean, he must have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, and he loves you, too, and he wants you to live with him. Just don't mess up. You know, and yeah. and you get uh, – I went to this um, – so. My day job. Sorry, I'm all, I'm all over the place. That's but here we go. Yeah, it, it's all going to wrap up here really quickly. <laughs> um, so uh, my day job is a probation officer. I actually do probation for Salt Lake County, and um, I deal with you know a, a lot of those kinds of uh, issues with probation. And one of them is domestic violence. Yeah. I went to a domestic violence conference, and at the conference they kind of discuss the different things that keep people in violent relationships. And the biggest one is abandonment. Mm. And I realized that from the earliest age, I was being programmed to to have severe abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. That your family will leave you if you do not mm -hmm. make them happy. Uh, God will turn his back on you if you do not make him happy. And so from three, four years old, I'm learning that my family loves me, but they will leave me. There are conditions. It is going to happen. Yeah. They will leave you because guess what? You're not perfect. You keep messing up. You don't have this personal relationship with God. He's not talking to you, which means he must be displeased with you. And so my whole childhood was overcompensating for mm -hmm. this abandonment issue that everyone was going to leave me. So when I came out, everybody left me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like... I, I, Fuck, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it was, it was yeah. this, I knew this was going to happen, but you know, to be honest, that's when people who did care started to surface. Yeah. Right? Uh, people who I never even knew cared, you know, and, and they're the ones that really matter in that situation. Right. And so it was when I started realizing that I had all of these people around me who, who love me and who and, didn't have conditions and didn't have yeah. conditions and were just there and, and would always be there. And, and that was when I, I finally went, Oh, mm -hmm. this is, this is wonderful. This is what it's like, supposed to be. This is like. what family should be. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had a shitty family and you know, fuck them. But you know, the, the thing is, is that I now have people who love me. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful man who loves me, his family, they're, mostly LDS, but they love me too and they mm. embrace me and I'm a part of the family. And so come full circle there. There you go. Well, yeah. This is Matt Dillahunty and you're listening to the Godless Revolution. Just because they're offended by someone being gay, it doesn't mean they're right. You know, it's a strange thing that comes out of the, the um, gay, being gay is a choice. No, being gay isn't a choice. You know, I want to go, well, go, go, you try it then. Mm. If it's a choice, have a go. <laughs> See how much you like it. You know. <laughs>
I mean, I, I hear stories all the time of LDS families just abandoning their children, yeah, kicking them out of the house, you yeah. know, choosing their choosing their religious beliefs well, over. I was 30 years old. It was time to kick me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, this is the perfect excuse. All right, you're out. You would think, and you see, you see this all the time too, that, you know, religious people, uh, have, have a gay son or daughter come out to them or their, their child will leave the religion behind and the parents initially have this, this gut reaction or this knee jerk reaction of thinking that Satan has gotten a hold of them or Satan is trying to corrupt either their child or their family and split them apart. But slowly they come to the realization that, that it's okay, right? And, and things are going to be fine. I can't imagine the parent who would still allow their, their non-confirmed belief and unsubstantiated belief in an afterlife and an invisible sky wizard to separate them from a child that they've raised their entire life and have loved and spent time with and enjoyed being around, and then to just completely abandon them at a moment's notice for one thing. And and I couldn't understand it for the longest time. It wasn't actually until I went to this domestic violence conference that I realized they are the ones suffering from the fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, God will abandon them. Their family will abandon them if they don't abandon me. I'm the thing that's going to drag them down and keep them from, from their eternal happiness. And, and so, you know, I, I think it becomes very easy when you become this neurotic, neurotic person who is so afraid that everyone's going to leave them. So what do you do? You push away people who are going to uh, get between you and the ones who are going yeah. to leave you, the abusers. It's still kind of crazy that the religion is able to take them and disconnect the biological association you have where it's, you know, biology does a lot of things that make you want to love that child when they're born and all that kind of stuff to be able to brainwash them to thinking, no, I don't love them. Yeah, but they, no, nowhere at any point do I think my parents don't think they love me. Right? Yeah, they they in There's their own the mind extra little thing in there that. that but it's kind of it's almost like I guess I I look at it as like an abandonment almost, and I think it's I find it hard that people can actually. I mean, I do that. I guess the most charitable view I can give to people in that situation is to say that they still love you, but they but they fear associating with you may corrupt their their eternal reward in heaven and that they hope and pray that in the next life you'll be restored to the perfect and whole person that they knew before right before this evil curse of gayness corrupted you right you know and i and i and when i hear these stories i think about my own children and and what could make me you know in the past when i was fairly religious I think there may have been a few things that that my kids could have pushed me to the edge. But I'm trying to think if there's anything that my kids could do that would make me or or, or their lifestyle could do to make me totally write them off. And, you know, short of getting a Nickelback tattoo, I'm not quite (laughs) sure (laughs) if... well, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I just, it, it's such a foreign feeling to me that, that you could write someone off as something as simple as, you know, being gay or having a preference or well, wanting to be something else. And a lot of that comes from their ignorance of what being gay right, even is, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. But I, I wish I could say that, 
you know, it was foreign to me, but that's how I was raised. Yeah. I was raised writing people off left and right. We don't need people. We don't need, you just need family. That's all you need, which is really quite ironic. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with this very bad attitude about people and society and we've got the guy in the sky and that's all we need. Right. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. So, how did the rest of your siblings handle this? We know you told dad, he told the bishop, didn't tell mom after he said that he would tell mom. Mom finds out, freaks out. How did your siblings find out and how did they react? Well, my mom always loves to share the business of the family with everybody else. Um, <laughs> so there was that. Um, but uh, no, that's when I wrote that wounded soldier letter that I sent out to every one of my family members because I thought, well, the cat's out of the bag. Here we go. Um, and I just outed myself that way. So all of my siblings found out. Um, some of them reacted very badly. Um, some of them do not talk to me and haven't spoken to me since that letter seven years ago. Um, and I'm and I'm gathering that your your family issues really stem from just this one thing. I mean, is there a family dynamic that maybe other siblings aren't talking to each other for so, certain reasons? Yeah, or? you know, there's some interesting things in my family. My family that was the perfect Mormon family that, you know, my mom was the education president of Eagle Forum. My dad was in the bishopric and, you know, this perfect family that had a very dark uh, underbelly full of a lot of sexual abuse. Every one of my siblings, you know. Um no, they weren't perfect. And so part of the part of my coming out was that here I was this one thing that they could throw all of their focus mm. on, all of mm. that anger, all of that sure. that makes sense. Fear, all of it, and they threw it all on me. And I took it for a little while, but eventually I started to fight back. Yeah. Um I started to tell people, well, I exposed the underbelly. And that's why my family lost their shit over me <laughs> because <laughs> I started talking about, let's talk about this abuse. Yeah. You want to talk about my imperfections. Let's talk about, about what you did to my you sister. Were the, yeah. You were the straw yeah. that broke the camel's back and it was your fault. The family fell apart. Right. And like, my dad literally said that to me. He wow. said that you destroyed my family. Wow. And I'm like, well, thank you for giving me that power. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> right. Jeez. So they've had, they've had all of these other issues for a very long time, and then there's this one big issue that then they can point to and say, aha, this was the root of all of the evil yeah. within our family. And and then I said, no, the, the root has been there for a very long time. I mean, my parents had both been sexually abused by their parents and grandparents, and, you know, there's, there's so much going on in that family that isn't being dealt with. Mm-hmm. And, um... The amount of sexual abuse and everything. And believe it or not, I was the only one who wasn't sexually abused. Hmm. I was the only one who didn't have all that drama. I just yeah. happened to be gay. Do you, well, is all that weight off your shoulders now? You, do you feel, I mean, when your dad said you ruined the family, do you, I mean, at the time your, your reaction was no, I didn't. You've ruined yourselves from the beginning. But still, there's a little there's a little weight to that when your dad, even if he's ridiculous, kind of sits on your shoulder a little bit. Oh yeah, is it is it gone? Is it? I wouldn't say it's gone. I would say that I have it's now placed in the right place. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> I I can see it in the right perspective, and I can look at it and not take it personally. This is not about me. This is about them dealing with their own yeah. issues, 
And as sad as it is that they cannot bring themselves to accepting me, that they have to literally uninvite me from Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, to go that far uh, because I'm so bad. Um, I mean, the reality is I exposed their deep, dark secrets. And so that was, so they, that was the problem. A holiday or an event comes around and they make it as a, a point to say, everybody, we're getting together. But not you. Yeah. And mm, and they wow. will make it a, a point to say, you're you not, know, you are not invited. I'm like, why are you calling me to tell me I'm not invited? I've known that for <laughs> yeah. the last several years. Like, hey, don't uh, call me. Just <laughs> wanted to let you know about the family Christmas party that's coming up this yeah. weekend and you are not invited. Well, at first. And we're they, folding your chair up. <laughs> at first they, they, they did. And so it wasn't quite that dramatic of a leap. At first they did invite me to, you know, some, some family events, but it was just me. And I was never allowed to bring my partner. Um, he was absolutely not allowed. Um, but then I got married and too bad. Yeah. yeah. It was just <laughs> kind of like, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we went from that dynamic where, well, you're, you're welcome, but you can't talk. Don't, don't ever oh. speak about you being gay. We don't ever want to hear that. It's uh, okay that you're gay. Stay yeah. away from no, the nieces and nephews. Don't be gay oh, and don't that, talk about being oh, gay. Yes, that went. They and went there. Stay away from the nieces and nephews because I'm a pervert. Musicals. And yeah, yeah. Um, I to to you know I have a friend who went through that, and I just that probably chaps me even more than uh, that someone was the hardest. not understanding you know, uh, what gay means or right. what homosexuality means or, or, or loving someone of the same sex means that particular thing probably bothers me more than anything. You cannot be around children. Yeah. Oh, just, well, I mean, right now, shitty just fucking fuming. Church, their shitty fucking church has taught them that their entire life, yeah. that being gay is abnormal, that it's deviant, that it's perverted. And so clearly anything deviant and abnormal and perverted is going to prey on children. Yeah. And oh. so, so that was the hardest of everything. Like I, you know, being told I'd be better off dead. Yeah, that sucked. But being told that I needed to stay away from my nieces and nephews when like I would never wish anything harmful yeah. to come to them. And, and just kind of seeing that there's where they're, they're placing this, um, that I'm, I, I had just become this demonic bad thing to them. And that's when, you know, but they still wanted to hang out. Like my parents oh. wanted to, well, yeah. let's go out to dinner. You can't come to the house, but we'll go out to dinner. We'll, we'll, we'll even go well, out with you and, and Nick. And by the way, the bishop <laughs> Satan can't coming. come out in public. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so there was this, this whole, well, you know, look how great we are. We're going to go out to dinner with you. Look and, how loving and accepting we can be. Mm -hmm. And to me, it just came, I, it got to a point where it was like every time my parents would call me, it was just dread. And, and I couldn't yeah. even, I couldn't even answer. I would look at the phone. I would see who's calling and I would go, I will get to that later. Yeah. And, the later started becoming later and later until it was like I couldn't respond for a week when I finally had the courage to call them and and deal with the fact that I'm this well, horrible bad person, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of seeing it that way. But I just finally got to the point where I'm like, this is getting worse. This yeah. is not getting better. So I'm the one who told them. I uh, They wrote me a letter and basically uh invited me to dinner and I said, look, I would love to do dinner with you. Um, that would be great. 
But until you can treat me with the exact same dignity and respect that you treat my siblings, and if you can treat Nick with the same dignity and respect that you treat my sibling spouses, then we can go out to dinner. But I need that assurance first. They've never spoken to me since. So we can't well, treat you with that dignity. Yeah. Right. As, as shitty as it may sound, you're probably better off without them and having the people around you that do love and care for you. So as shitty as that may sound, I have been, that's the weight. Like yeah. the weight yeah. Yeah. has yeah. lifted. I don't even think about them. And when I do, it's like, oh, that's sad. But you know what? That's their problem. They're, they are missing out on some pretty incredible things. You yeah. weren't a poison in their life. They were the poison in your life. Well, exactly. And so that's no longer a problem. Unanswered questions. Amazing. No one, though they were asked repeatedly, would say whether they thought Stephen Fry, my friend, was in a state of mortal sin or not. They wouldn't tell you. Something about the question brought out their inner coward. Well, I say that homosexuality is not just a form of sex, it's a form of love, and it deserves our respect for that reason. That if, if when, I, when my children were young, I'd have been proud to have Stephen as their babysitter, and I'd tell them they were lucky. And if anyone came to my door as a babysitter wearing holy orders, I'd call first a cab and then the police. <laughs> I'm going to need to take antidepressants after this. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not even done. We haven't even got to the other stuff. Yeah, but, so, but, so let's, let's move on to the other stuff. So you come out as a gay man. Your whole family knows all of that happens. And you write a book. Or, or what I've heard is that you had this idea for a book, started writing about it, then met somebody who became your co-author for this book. So, so walk us through all of that. How did that all come to be? Okay. So this um – there was a little bit of a process, and this actually happened before I came out. Um, so I, I met a co-author. I was working at the state mental hospital here in Utah um, and was working with uh, a guy, David King. He was a, a friend of mine there, and he had been writing. Um, I had an idea for a story that I'd been working on among my BYU musical and other things. Um, but I had this idea for a story and kind of sat down and pitched the idea to him and he loved it. And I'd never written a novel. I'd written tons, but I'd never sat down and written a novel before. So um, he kind of agreed to coach me through it and we ended up writing the book together. Um, so that's that's how the, the book came to be. Um, but then uh, we we got to the point where we were trying to find a publisher for it, and that's when the whole uh, Cedar Fort fiasco happened. So what what is the book that you wrote? What is what's the book? So about? the book is called Woven. It's young adult fantasy. So knights and um, castles and ghosts and uh, dragons. No dragons. Oh. I wanted to try writing a story <laughs> without mythical creatures, oh. but that focused on the magic. And focused on the characters. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I cannot tell you how happy that makes me. I <laughs> really quick. I I'm a huge nerd. I love superheroes. I love magic. But for some reason, when it comes to dragons, the switch turns off for me. But I don't dragons know what are so cool. I don't know what it is. Oh. Dragons are great. I just wanted I to write weirdo. a story without I know, it's them. It's totally weird. I, I, I'm the first to admit it. Oh, man. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. Um. Anyway, the 
story is about a boy who wants to be a knight. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, I pulled from my life quite a bit. <laughs> um, and so this boy wants to be a knight. His mom won't let him do anything very, uh, controlling. Um, and so he, he finally figures out a way to sneak out and, and go out and do this. Um, he, he goes to the festival and, uh, there comes in contact with, uh, the villain who, uh, ends up killing him. He comes back as a ghost. And so our lead is a ghost. And I wanted to write the story because, um, I thought that what a fact. You said no mythical idea. creatures. So, uh, <laughs> creatures. Ghosts, ghosts okay. are people. Singular. Ghosts okay. are people too. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he is, he is the main mythical entity. Oh. And, um, so he has to go on this journey with the princess to find this magic needle who can sew him back to life. Mm. So, um, just a, an interesting story about magic that involves sewing and weaving. And, and so the, the story is called woven. Mm -hmm. Sew him back to life, like, like stitch him to a corporeal body. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bring him back to life. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Anyway, that was that was my story, and huh. um, started shopping around, looking for places. We'd probably send out a hundred um, query letters, and got nothing. <laughs> Had a few people who wanted to read it, and um, a couple agents who read it and gave us great ideas for how to rewrite it because it wasn't ready. They wanted dragons, didn't they? <laughs> they didn't want dragons. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't want the story. You know, I love your book, but you know what it needs? Dragons. dragons. More dragons and lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, I we tried with a few different people. We we got a couple nibbles. and But um, a friend of mine, Lyle Mortimer, um, he was somebody who I'd done musicals with, um, and he owns a publishing company in Springville. So we had some ties and some mm -hmm. connections. And um, a cousin of mine, Shelly, she's uh, done a lot of LDS movies and films and stuff. And so she had a meeting with this guy. And, uh, and so she dragged me into this meeting and said, you need to pitch your book. So I pitched my book, um, and he loved the idea. And he sat there and told me how wonderful uh, it was and that he wasn't connected with Deseret Book, like the, we, they had a new imprint, they could publish this book. But Cedar Fort does most of the LDS, the, the Mormon mm -hmm. books yeah. that are in, uh, in Deseret. And, at in, Siegel uh, and at Deseret Siegel, Book, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. okay. So they do probably the, the biggest amount of... So that was my concern because, you know, I was gay and I was yeah, out. Right. I wasn't mm -hmm. pretending at yeah. all. And so I told him I was concerned that, you know, you have this LDS affiliation. Yeah. And you didn't want to pretend either. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm out and I'm staying out. Like, I'm not going back in the closet for anything. <laughs> um, and he said, no, no, this is this is our uh, national imprint, not affiliated with Deseret Book. And so we had, you know, all this um, conversation and in the end decided to go with it, um, which was was great. You know, we ha I had a book deal and I was so happy about this book deal until it came down to the time that um the book was ready to be printed um the day before it went to print um i read the back of the, the book and my bio was missing 
Now, I'd put in my bio that I lived in Salt Lake City with my partner and our four dogs. Yes, I have four dogs. I saw pictures of them. They're all adorable. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have conversations about pets later. Okay. (laughs) I mean, the four dogs, that's kind of the... The shocking part of the story here, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, or <laughs> Jesus Christ, you need to come to my house well. for a party. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't ten cats, right? I've so got, we've got three dogs, two cats, a bird, a tortoise, and three kids. <laughs> oh wow, that's a full house. It's almost as full as my parents' house. Um. So yeah. Anyway, uh, the bio is missing. So I, I write to um our our editor and and ask her, you know, what's what's going on? Why is my bio missing? My co-author David, his bio was in there, mm. but mine was missing this whole section. And I said, so what happened? I, I think there was an error. We need to correct this before it goes to print. And she writes back saying that well, there was no error. Uh, they decided that they didn't want to put my bio in there because of the um, yeah. the mention of a partner. Wow. Um, and that, that, uh, the book would not sell at Deseret Book and Seagull. After you've already well, had after this we'd discussion, had, yeah, it wasn't and going I'm like, to there. Are you, like, I don't care about Deseret Book and Seagull. And fuck Deseret Book right, and Seagull. And yeah. that's pretty much what I said. In their <laughs> and they said, well, we do. And I'm like, Ugh. when, since when? So, and then I said, okay, I need to talk to Lyle. So I, I call up Lyle. And he's livid with me. He's so mad because I'm stopping production of this book. I, I told him he doesn't have permission to print the book without my bio. Yeah. Because we had not agreed on that. Mm-hmm. You know, like we need to come to an agreement. Every author has their bio in the back of the book. Right. Yeah. So he then proceeds to swear at me and tell, I mean, and before this, he tells me how he's a bishop and he you uh-huh. know, has all this. I'm an untrained clergy person, <laughs> sir. Right. <laughs> Right. But that's so only on Sunday. <laughs> right. So anyway, he, he's kind of throwing out his church title as if that's supposed to mean something mm-hmm. to me, which at this point it means less than something. Yeah. Um and and he he continues to to yell and swear at me that um God gave you a penis for a reason and tries to tell me where I'm supposed to stick that. Uh, wow. Yeah, and, and I tell him, I'm like, I am... Motherfucker! <laughs> I am incredibly uncomfortable with this conversation. Um, so, I think we should turn the direction of the conversation... Yeah, to business. Well, yes. And he, <laughs> but, but first, did you ask your bishop why the male G-spot is in their asshole? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but now I wish I had. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I saw that in a meme the other day. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, the, the story goes that he yells at me, swears, threatens to sue me. Um, just everything. Just as manipulative as he can possibly be. And, and so... Um, I say, well, I, I refuse. I refuse for you to, to take it out. It's not worth it for me. Like, I'd rather the book not be published. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, oh, that was, that was one of the most hor- horrific conversations I'd ever had with a person. Um, and the lawsuit, you know, threatening. The guy to sounds peachy. Oh, he's, he's a winner. Yeah. Um, but at least you're standing your ground, you're standing up for yourself. Well, it you know, it was kind of the realization that my book is never getting published. But at know? the same time, he probably expected you to lay down and just take it. 
Just yeah, let, but yeah, I first am an time artist. Author. Yeah, <laughs> I am an yeah. artist. You know, like really. Yeah. No, um, no. I just there was something about the whole thing that just made me feel so sick and creepy. Had I gone ahead and done what he wanted me to do, I I don't know that I could have lived with myself. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, you'd be you'd be rejecting who you are after mm-hmm. everything you've already everything gone through. that I've gone through to come to terms and to be happy with myself, and then to be told we're going to shove you back in the closet so we can sell your book at our LDS booksellers. Oh, um, I should be fine with that, right? That's going to be great. Yeah. No big right. deal. So, you know, I told him no. He threatened to sue. And then I go home and I'm crying. I'm just sobbing my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Nick, he he's wonderful. He comes in, consoles me a little. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then he goes in the other room and he proceeds to write up a press release, which I knew nothing about. <laughs> uh, he, he goes in, writes a press release. Um Basically stating everything that had happened. He had our emails back and forth with um, Cedar Fort, and uh, and he sends it to everybody. Wow. And the next morning, there's my face on MSN.com. No way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the, like... <laughs> I mean, uh, it it was a shitstorm. It just went everywhere. And and we started getting phone calls from everybody from, you know, Reuters, from um, Huffington Post. and Yeah, uh, yeah. The story was picked up by everybody. I mean, it was yeah. on Huffington well, Post, MSNBC. What about Right Wing Watch? Road. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, but even Fox News, like, oh. yeah, it was... It was all over the place. And um, they had a different spin on it, though, as publisher sticks to his guns and won't publish Homo's book. Yeah. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> um, no, there were some great articles. I've, I, And one of them did focus on the four dogs. That was the best one. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, like, so what happened from there is uh, we started getting phone calls from agents who wanted to read the book. Um I had no idea, but the uh, the publishing industry is very tight knit, very close. Mm-hmm. They everybody knows everybody there, mm-hmm. and so when this hits, this is like not an affront to me. This is an affront to the publishing Pu- yeah. industry, yeah. and and people were pissed. I mean, I got phone calls from authors, and I mean, it was just it was the most incredible thing for me. An out gay man to to see everybody come from across the nation to come to call me to email me to support me and say hey we're we're here for you and to we're be like, behind you hundred percent yeah uh, living in Utah thinking that everybody hates you mm, and, yeah. and you come to learn that everybody loves you you know and what a, <laughs> that was that was the best moment amazing for me. yeah so we um. Submitted the book to all five, well, all of the big six publishing companies. Um, they all had a, a copy of it. Um, we had to, so, you know how I told you we sent out a hundred submissions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All of them rejected us. Uh, now, these people who didn't have time to read the book before but rejected it are reading the book, <laughs> right? And now we have all these people who are saying, well, we would like to, um, we we would like to represent your book. It's well, a feel good piece at this point, huh? Right. And and I'm like, well, 
Wow, that's amazing. But we ended up, David and I had to write rejection letters to people oh, who no had rejected way. us. <laughs> How good did that feel? <laughs> I mean, that was... I, I would have started a bidding war. Well, we did. So, okay. so we got an agent. We got an agent who we were just so impressed with. Uh, Meredith Bernstein. Uh, she has this little uh, boutique company in New York, but she's got some amazing connections. And so we, she sat down, she started bidding more with all the big six publishing companies and Scholastic ended up picking up the deal. We liked what they had to offer and they put us in all of the, the school book fairs. And oh, nice. I mean, it just, uh, you, it, to go from my book is shit, it will never go anywhere. Mm. Um, to having half the agencies fighting over it. Right. To having people <laughs> fight over the book and, and Scholastic. I mean, that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. That's impressive. Yeah. I I mean I couldn't be happier. And we love Scholastic. They're they're wonderful to mm-hmm. work with. And they've never given me shit and in <laughs> in the end They never had a problem with your bio? No, and in fact they published in the book, they published that I live in Salt Lake City with my husband and our four dogs Very because cool. we got married. Yay. Just, awesome. Just so there is that happy ending of, you know, there's my bio and Fuck you, Cedar Fort. <laughs> yep. So then Lyle Mortimer, piece of shit. The the current Eagle Forum hasn't fought to try to get this books out of schools. Not yet. <laughs> well, because there was that one book, How to Live with My Two Moms, was it? Oh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. That Heather, were, Heather's oh, that's two right. mommies. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not how to that was my grandma's story, how to live with my gay son. <laughs> no, honestly, I tell my brother told me he found out that our uncle was gay. When we were kids, was my grandmother had a book that was entitled "How to Live with My Gay Son." Oh, wow, uh, maybe my mom should read that. I don't know. Well, my grandmother probably bought the book in the '60s. Well, that's about what my mom reads all yep. those church books from the '60s. Wow, that's 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 really that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it. I couldn't be happier. I mean, and and that's the thing is, you do go from oh my god, my life is so fucking shitty. Like, I, I can't handle this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to kill myself to, you know, you hang in there, you, you stick to your guns, and then all of a sudden... You'll have that high point. It gets better. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does get better. What gets better is you. You get better. Yeah. You, uh, you know, and I used to I used to hear that it gets better, and this was right as I come out, and mm-hmm. so I hear the, you know, the whole... Right around the camp, right around the time the campaign yeah. started. And for me, yeah. everything was getting worse. Like, my family was stopping to talk to me, you know, like, they, they didn't talk to me anymore. You're my, like, it gets better my ass. Yeah, and I was like, it gets better, this bullshit. <laughs> um, and it, it never did get better with my family. Yeah, yeah. It never got better with my family, but it, it did get better with me. I got better, I got stronger, and more capable of handling things and I'm, I'm happy and yeah. Mormonism, it seems to me, objectively, is just a little bit more idiotic than Christianity is. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has to be. It is Christianity plus some very stupid ideas. <laughs> but for instance, the Mormons think that Jesus is going to return to earth and administer his thousand years of peace at least part of the time from the state of Missouri. <laughs> now, why does this make Mormonism objectively less likely to be true than Christianity? Because what, whatever probability you assign to Jesus' coming back, you have to assign a lesser probability to his coming back and keeping a summer home in Jackson County, Missouri. <laughs>
No, maybe it's the rampant reciprocity that I, I have in my in my body right now, but has there been a reaction from your family of this literal national press? Um they can't avoid it. Uh, do they even know? I mean, do they know you? Yeah, about they know. So, so we were still kind of talking at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened back uh, August of 2013. Um, so it's it's been a little while since that happened. Uh, the book wasn't even published until 2015. So, okay. um, there's that period there where my parents were still trying to invite me to dinners, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so they wanted to be supportive of me where they could, but um. So when the book started getting all that national press, my parents showed up at my book signing, which I did not invite them to. Wow. Um, wow. And I purposely did not because we they were just terrible. You know, they were still just... And they didn't bring the signs with them, did they? No, they did not. But they showed up and, um, you know, I, it, we, I had cut it off um, just at that point. So I had cut it off before they showed up at the wow. the book signing. So they showed up anyway to spite me. Uh, even though I said, please don't call me anymore, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so they was it was it out of spite, or do you, I mean, do you think they were there to try to show support, or was it to fuck I, with you? I think I don't know. I to be honest, I think it could be both. Yeah. Um, I think my parents were doing their parent parental duties of showing up and and showing me as much support as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um enough that they could feel good about themselves when they go take the sacrament on Sunday. Yeah, right. Well, you we know. tried. Right, exactly. And so, you know, and and I give them props for that, but I still had to process the fact that my family was, I mean, I'm I'm not welcome there. And yeah. yet they want to go have yeah. dinner with me. It's like I am unwelcome with with this family mm-hmm. and you want to go have dinner with me. This this does not compute for mm-hmm. me. It's like mm-hmm. I am the bad thing you have to protect my nieces and nephews from. Right. And you want to go have dinner with me. Like, my brain was not able to process this, and so I needed space, and that's why I cut it off. And, um, yeah, but they showed up, and they went through the line, and I got to them, and I said, "How? who would you like me to make this out to? And <laughs> they said, to mom and dad. Duh. And I said, to mom and dad. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> oh grab the next gosh. person. Yeah, because I could not speak to them. Yeah. But I, I literally couldn't. Like, it, it wasn't the time or place. It was. Did you yeah. sign you a know, love, Michael? There was no love. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, I had to be, and that's kind of my communication from here on out has just been very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. very sanitized. I, will, I very... will speak to you, but it's going to be this. It, it's going to be a very short to the point. We are not going to get into it because all they're going to do is start telling me how horrible I am, you know? And I just, I don't want to hear You don't it. need that. No, I don't. Um, my life is actually Don't really need it great. and don't have to put up with it. Yeah. Right. So my life is great. I absolutely love, I never knew I could love my life. And I am in a place where I love my life. Yay! I mean, <laughs> and every time I think about it, I'm like, this is so great. My this life is, is so, so wonderful. Cool. Yeah. 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 That's so, awesome. That's amazing. Yes. That makes me happy that you're happy. <laughs> I am very happy. This sounds like a Disney movie. Yes. With like, a lot of doom and gloom, but yeah, well, a little bit. Well, there's like always the, uh, doom and gloom in Disney. And like yeah. <laughs> a parent or sibling always fucking dies in a Disney movie, right? Yeah. Well... 
Or they're just assholes. Like, I'm trying like to think of the Bambi, Cinderella. fucking oh, yeah. Lion King. There's always well, that's Hamlet. some kind of death in a Disney movie that... I just want to see him pull off the, the masturbating scene in the <laughs> in the missionary training center. <laughs> so is there going to be a Woven 2? So Woven is uh, a process. Um, we are currently working on a sequel. Very cool. I've got a couple other things I'm working on. Um going off on my own as well so uh well and i i meant to say too and and to point out that everything that i read about your co-author he was behind you 100 percent as well yeah right as far as no i don't like he never tried to pressure you into saying well just just let them you know do whatever with the bio that's fine you know we can fix it later or or don't worry about it it sounded like everything that i read was that he was very supportive of no if you're not going to put the bio on there that he wants then don't publish um david was very confused by the whole thing Mm -hmm. um which i don't blame him at all yeah um, but he was very gracious. Uh, he offered to have his bio removed too. And, and I, I kind of sat there and I, I, I even considered it. I'm like, do I make him remove his bio? And I, I, mm-hmm. and we just don't have bios on the book, but I went, I, I told him, I said, look, David, I, I appreciate you doing that. And thank you because that means a lot. I mean, that yeah. means not mentioning his wife and his kids and, you know, like, but I said, it, it that, still gives them a win. Oh, well, and, and what I said is, and, and the problem is, is I'm like, but you have a choice. I don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and this is where, you know, all of my, my rage towards the way my family treated me. And I think of all those other gay people out there who are being treated similarly mm-hmm. and, and it just bubbles up and it's like, I don't have a choice here. You get that opportunity. And, and, Thank you for being willing to do that, but no, that's not how this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I mean, I I think you know this. He had a lot of pressure on him from his wife, who wanted him to uh, move on with his life and not be writing stories that are going nowhere. Um, mm. And so this would just mean one more failure for him. So there was a lot of conversation. I wouldn't say it was a hundred percent behind it, but he got behind it as soon as he realized, you know, how horrible of an injustice it really was. And, and I'm, you know, forever grateful for him for that because I mean, we could still be stuck with him if he decided <laughs> to go with it, you know, yeah. you know, but he told me he, he was behind me, whatever I chose to do. And I mean, and he's Mormon and you know, I, don't get that, but well, yeah. But I do appreciate what he did. Yeah, that yeah. is very cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, for him to for him to try to make it right and say, well, they can just remove mine. Yeah, that's that's good. That and that he can be as your co-author for a book more supportive than your own family members speaks volumes to the poison that is religion. Which brings us to our next topic, I think. So, <laughs> you're you're now no longer LDS. You are now, and you you identify as an atheist, correct? Um, you know that's a really good question. I don't know. Um, I would say yes because I cannot imagine a god out there who comes up with this bullshit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> these religions. Yeah. I, I'm like, which god out there is is the one that's coming up with all this? And like. 
trickster ha- god. Yes, exactly. And so Loki. You know, as far as <laughs> as what God is, um, for me, God is the universe. Like I, I see the universe and I think whatever that is, call him God, call him shit. I, I don't even know. But I have no respect for any kind of individual entity that's out there and believes that yeah, or, and people put their belief and their faith in. I just, I, I can't wrap my mind around that. So I would say, yes, I'm, I'm atheist. Um, but I, I'm new to the atheist scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, brand new. I just kind of came to that conclusion within the last year or so. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it. I just can't even think of a God out there that. Are you, are you past your angry phase yet? <laughs> Uh, my angry or have you phase. even got, or have, have you gotten, gotten to the yet? angry phase? Yeah. I don't know that I'll go through it. To be like honest, firebrand. F- oh, just screw all this crap! I'm going to yell from the rooftops and make sure everybody knows. I mean, I had to go through that with coming out. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you don't need to. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like I'm over it. Like yeah. I'm over all the bullshit and trying to believe in a religion and a god. That's just more bullshit to me, and mm-hmm. I'm over it. So I, I think. They were synonymous. Um, the yeah. Coming out as gay and, and knowing that if I did that, I would have to leave the church, mm-hmm. uh, was my exit out of religion completely. Okay. So there, there was never the, the, the LDS church isn't right for me. It was religion is not right for me. I think when I realized the, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much that's it. I, I realized that. There's this double standard on religion that, you know, you can be gay, but you can't be gay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the realization that it, and also in Mormonism, like you're raised from infancy to believe that this is the one and only true church. Right. So yeah. it's hard for you to wrap your mind around the idea that there could be another one and only true church out mm-hmm. there when you realize this is a big total <laughs> fraud and a, a big waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I just never really believed. I still, looked to religion for answers for a while. I, I went to different religions, not thinking that any of them were like a true church, but I just kind of hoped that they'd give me some more clarity yeah. and insight into myself, which was also a big utter waste of time. Um, it's me. Yeah. Like I found myself through getting to know me better mm-hmm. and not trusting what a religion had to say about it. Yep. I think Mormonism is kind of unique in that way. Well, it, I could tie three religions to it, Mormonism, Scientology, and Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. where they're taught that each of those religions teaches that they are the only true religion. All of the others have been corrupted somehow. So, yeah. you know, when somebody leaves mainstream Mormonism, it's either that they become more extreme and fundamentalist in their views and they'll join like the FLDS or yeah. another polygamist cult thinking that... Well, the church as it stands now, the mainstream LDS church has just been corrupted and they need to get back to the original teachings, right? Or they'll just, people will toss all of it aside and go, well, no, it's, it's bullshit. And being told from an early age that it's the one true church, they know that the others are bullshit as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have, it's, it's kind of this dichotomy between, you know, when, when people leave the LDS church, it's kind of all or nothing. They're they're either all in and they get really fundamentalist, or they're all the way out. 
Well, and in, and it's also along the lines of uh, the error of needing to be perfect in the Mormon Church, and that's and that that speaks to extremes. It's it's either all or nothing, and there is no wavering, there is no fence sitting. Yeah, there's perfection and not perfection. Correct. Yeah. And and for for someone to leave the church, that perfection can now never be achieved. So hopping on another stone uh, in in the way of religion won't do you any good. It's all or none. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the celestial kingdom or it's outer darkness. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, if they just don't believe in the celestial kingdom anymore, obviously outer darkness or <laughs> hell doesn't exist either. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it, it's that, that guilt of not being able to achieve 100% also is to the detriment of the church. For people yeah. that have these questions, it is, well, if now I'm 99% sure, I'm not sure at all. Right. It's just not going to happen. And now, and then, then the stones start to fall, and then the dominoes, mm-hmm. and then the shelf mm-hmm. falls. And then it's just a downhill um, snowball from that point, because now that I know there's no such thing as perfection, there's no sense in striving for something that could be perceived as perfection. So then it's just gone. And that's that. That's that quick stone rolling down the hill the second the second the, the questions come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to their own detriment, perfection is actually bad. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGI Podcast. Thanks, bitches. Well, yes. and you said pre-show that you've only been... You know, kind of playing hokey pokey with atheism for about the last year or so. Um, what got you looking more into it or, or started down that path? Uh, so after bouncing around with different religions and different ideas, I, I kind of went the way of the agnostic, um, which made a lot of sense because it's not committal to anything. Mm. I mean, not that that's a bad thing. It just means, you know, I, I don't have to commit to the idea that there's a God or that there isn't you a God. You get the good feelings, but you don't have to have the bad ones. Right. <laughs> right. And and so that made sense for a while until I just, the more I thought about the concept of God, the more I just went, I, I can't. I can't even pretend that that's a possibility. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty much it. But it's it's me just getting on um, websites. I got on the Utah uh, Atheists, Atheists of Utah um, Facebook page and started talking with people and just kind of getting different ideas. But, yeah, that's where it kind of all started <laughs> so that's that's a fun road to go down yeah <laughs> you you kind of took the atheism road about a year ago which was right around the time of the very large mass resignation did you take part in that in that at all or no when when i moved in with uh nick um just within the first year of moving in with him uh i knew i was done with the church already uh, the problem is, and, and this is that whole commitment thing, like mm-hmm. when I when I make up my mind about something, I've got to go all the way. Uh, well, I'd made covenants in the temple. And for me, that meant that I had committed to something that I now had to follow through with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, looking back on it, I, I realized that it was just part of me trying to sort out what really mattered. But um, it was driving me crazy. 
Like it was like, here I am living with a man, but I'm still a Mormon. I can't do both. Like you can't. I I mean, and if they'd known, they would have excommunicated me yeah. anyway. So it's, you know, my, my realization is that I don't want to be a member anymore. So, uh, yeah, that was about five years ago that I, uh, Nick and I both at the same time, because he was, he'd left the church when he was like 14, didn't want to have anything to do with yeah. it, and his parents never made him go, so he wasn't really in it, but when I told him I needed to remove my records just for my own sanity and yeah. my own sake, then he joined me in that, and it was July 5th, um, so I celebrated my independence. <laughs> <laughs> And what, which year was that? Uh, it would have been f- five years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, 2011. Wow. I still haven't gotten my confirmation letter back. Uh-huh. I think I've sent it like six times. <laughs> Go to every steakhouse and just post it right on the door with an arrow like Robin Hood. Well, it's think- Sizzler. <laughs> Yeah. And, well, and I think and Golden Corral, <laughs> and, and 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 I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago. They said, "Well, maybe there is a God because you're actually one of the only people I know that when they say they're going to send the bishop over, you'll say, oh, please do <laughs> send the bishop over, send the missionaries over, send send everyone over.' And they never show up. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> never. Happens. I would love to talk to them. Please send them my way. Uh, and they'll, they'll especially love it when they sit in my front room and there's still a picture of Jesus hanging in there. <laughs> it's an old drawing just sitting on the wall. What kind of drawing of Jesus do you have on your I don't know. It's just it's just a picture, just oh, a, Okay. But it's like my an wife. actual one, not like one of the ones we have in here. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> it's like it's like it. one of the Deseret book printed out some Is it space some, Jesus or, some, or No, it's a it's a pencil drawing, just standard, you know, white Jesus. White Jesus. Mormon Jesus. White, Middle Eastern, blonde haired, blue eyed. (laughs) Oh, is it? What's his name from Star Wars? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Uh, Data? No, no. Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. I'm not even Star Trek. off all the geeks. I know. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I just did that, didn't I? You've got to edit. Where are we in the program? You've got to edit that out right now. I said Star Wars and you said Star Trek. I heard Star Trek. Because it's on my laptop. You said Data. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm going to geek hell. <laughs> well, when he said data, I thought of the Goonies. That's, that's okay, like my friend go. Tony has a has a tattoo of the Death Star mm-hmm. with the USS Enterprise oh, flying away from the Death Star. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant. I I was talking about Tony's tattoo. That's yeah, why I got okay. confused. Yes. Okay, understood. Please don't You're take not, my card from me. <laughs> not forgiven. So you guys both resigned from the church. How? Where is where is Nick spiritually, or or as far as religious belief? Uh, I think we're kind of in the same place. Um, I know that religion has no interest to him. Like as far as his position on God, I'm not really clear. Just but, kind of an apathyist. Yeah, yeah, yeah just kind of apathetic. What does it matter? And when when we do bring it up, it's like, who cares? Yeah, you know, it's it's not really even a not. topic of conversation. No, and so you know, for me, that's also helpful. I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone who's a believer because I think I would go insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it would be difficult for sure. Uh, well, if anybody wanted to find out more about your book, where would they go to do so? So, wovenbook dot com um, is the website we have set up, uh, or you can find. Um, 
on Facebook, my author page, Michael Jensen. Um, and I'm on Twitter as well. So um, I think it's author Michael Jensen. I'll be sure to find those um, and post links in the, oh, in the okay, show great. notes. Great. Uh, Thank when, you. When I, when I post and edit the show. Anything else you'd like to pitch? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> you know, any I, other I do have a quick question maybe while you're looking that up. Tell us a little bit about Nick. Uh, so Nick works for the Salt Lake County Health Department. Um, He's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is adorable. You guys are very cute. Yeah. He's adorable. Um, and so he's the public information officer there, uh, which is why he had all the press release connections. Oh, he, he knew right what to where to go and what uh, to do. He knew exactly who to send it to. Um, so, yeah. He's, very cool. He's got those connections, and he is uh, really smart and really adorable, and I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> uh, what, what, what are the names of your four dogs? So we've got Baxter, Abby, Scout, and Roxy. Um, little Roxy came into the relationship after. Um, so I inherited the the other three from a previous relationship of uh, Nick's. So Nick and had already had the first three and then... Married with children, huh? Married with children, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I almost, your own. I almost didn't. Um, when he told me he had three dogs, I was like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> like, I was three dogs, all right, not that's interested. And nope, I had just, I had just got out of a relationship with a guy who had two dogs, and they were the most horrible things. Oh. They chewed everything in the house to pieces. Like they jumped on everything. It was filthy. Uh, which is why I got out of the relationship. That's a bad you know? owner, like, not a bad dog. Right, right. And so I was like, I, I can't do this. And so, yeah, when he told me he had three, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> that's um, that's but, 50% more than the last guy, and I fucking hated that. Right. <laughs> so so he tells me, just come over, come meet him. And I'm like, okay, I'll give him that. So I went over there. And these are the best behaved dogs I have ever ever seen they do not jump up on people they don't get on the furniture like so they just are cute does and- your husband offer his services to come train <laughs> owners and dogs <laughs> he should he is really good with animals i can't believe it i so. can see a dinner date at our house in the near future okay so. <laughs> <laughs> he and my wife need to have a small conversation <laughs> sweetie i promise I, Dan is not going to edit anything out. I didn't say anything <laughs> mean. I love you very, very much. <laughs> and your dogs are dogs. <laughs> I'm getting in so much. All right. <laughs> but. Well, thank you both, Jeff and Michael, for coming on the show tonight. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is great. Really appreciate you filling in for Matt. Anytime. And thank you so much for coming out yeah. and sharing your stories with us. Absolutely. I loved it. It was, was wonderful to hear. Was a, that was a really good time. Was it, was it therapeutic for you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, for me, uh, spreading the word. Yeah. Spreading the word. Yeah. Like, I just want people to know that it does get better. Mm-hmm. You get better. Life gets better. Um, I, I just, it, it frustrates me to hell to see how many people suffer the way I suffered. And uh, if there's anything I can do to keep people from having to suffer like that then this well, is you had, why I want to If you do had this. one one bit of advice to offer anybody any young person in the LDS faith struggling with same sex attraction what would it be Take care of yourself 
Don't worry about anybody else. It's you take care of you. I think that's a good place to finish. I think it's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Once again, thank you so much for coming out, Michael. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us all over the place. Meg, I'm sure, has already said it. Told you, told you where you can find <laughs> us. Additionally, though, you can find us now on YouTube. I have yeah. almost all of the episodes completed as far as the metadata. They're all uploaded. I think I have maybe 15 episodes left to add the metadata to. We so, got a lot. Yeah, there's 119 out there. They're out there now. This will be 120. But I think I have episodes one through 66 and then like 79 through 119 out there right now. Between 66 and 79, they're kind of shit. Yeah. You don't want to listen to those ones anyway. (laughs) You don't have anything to do. Get those up. (laughs) Good grief. That's a lot of work. Well, And they're already uploaded. I just need to add all of the metadata to them. So that should be done soon-ish. We've got some other things that will be coming out soon-ish when I get around to fucking having the time to do them. A little stressed on time and getting shit done, but I have I have follow up question from last week's episode. Oh yeah, what's that? Okay. Um so are we gonna get to see Matt here in November? Maybe. Oh there's... I was salivating <laughs> when that conversation came out. For... I was so... When when we were when we were doing the interview and he's like, and then on November nineteenth, there's what? Maybe you can tell me. And there's there's like We all this... gave us it gave each other a look like well, and when I when I edit the show, I I truncate all of the silence, right? So I truncate all the silence down. Anything over like 0.7 seconds is truncated down to 0.7 seconds. So the silence. there's there's a little bit of a pause in in the recording that everybody hears. But when he said that while while we're sitting here recording the show, it was probably a good five six. Yeah, seconds. there's there's this really long pause. I get, you could feel it though before yeah. <laughs> before I cut in, and I'm like. Oh, wait, are you asking me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> it was awesome. And, yeah, so maybe we'll we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Ooh. But I, yeah, I when I when I posted it, um, Matt shared it on his timeline, and uh, I just made a comment on it and said, "Hey, thanks so much for coming out on the show. We'll have to back. We'll have to have you back again sometime soon, maybe in November." <laughs> <laughs> winky face so yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll get him out here to utah i don't know we'll have to see how that all shakes out but awesome that would be fun next week i don't know are you going to be able to make it here ryan uh maybe maybe i got a buddy that's coming in from california he just said hey are you working on the 31st i said well i'm not working but i know we got a podcast said, hey i'm gonna be in town for that night if you want to go out and grab some drinks get your, get your group bring him to the show yeah maybe drink he, over here man make him be your guest he's he's not an atheist, though. Oh. So. Well, then bring him over here and we can make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> so so Ryan may not be here. Matt may not be here. Maybe it'll be me and, and two other <laughs> co-hosts. That'd be the- you could do it from the bathtub. I could. I could do it. I could sit down here naked, naked. for everybody, for all everybody else would know. Rub a dub dub, red we'll beard in the tub. We'll just hear Tracy in the background yelling at you. <laughs> You can hear that every now and then now. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will chat at you all next week. Bye. Say goodnight, people. Oh, goodbye. (laughs) Good night, everybody. All right. Fanny, what's the matter?
matter with you? Haven't you any pride? It's not. I love the guy. He loves me. I want to be with him. It's that simple. Matter, can't you see you're making a fool of yourself? Georgia, when something's right for me, I do it, and this is right for me. Have you asked yourself if it's right for Nick? I'll make it right for him. Honey, don't think you're dead. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me not to live. Just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly. I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? I'll march my band out. I'll beat my drum. And if I'm found out, your turn at bat, sir. At least I didn't fake it, hat, sir. I guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection or freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the cinder or the shiny apple of its eye. I gotta fly once, I gotta try once, only can die once, right, sir? Ooh, life is juicy, juicy, and you see I gonna have my bite. Get ready for me, love, 'cause I'm a comer. I simply gotta march my heart for drama. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. I'm gonna live and live now. Get what I want, I know how. One roll for the whole shebang. One throw, that bell will go clang. I on the target and wham. One shot, one gunshot. Hey, Mr. Onstein, here I am. Try to make ours pretty consistent, and it's perfect. Well, thank you. That was me. That was not me. <laughs> I was just wondering what hole that came I out even of. Try, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I felt it right in the middle of all of them. That's <laughs> why you grab your chest. I'm like, I'm like, did that come from I, here? I or? have an extra hole apparently somewhere. <laughs> well, I can teach you how to use your diaphragm. There you go. <laughs>